This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here at Asia Torah in the old city of Jerusalem <laughs> overlooking the Temple Mount. Today we're going to be discussing one of the most important distinctions in life. And this distinction will make the difference in, in every way in the, how you relate to people. And the distinction is the distinction between acceptance and approval. Let's define the words first. Acceptance means that if you live that person's life, that would be you. Everyone try those words. I'll say it again. If you live that person's life, that would be you. Try that. If you live... Uh, not everyone was moving their mouth. Let's try that again. One, two, three. If you lived that person's life, that would be you. Great job. You seem really coachable. All I was doing is giving a definition of acceptance. That's all. And it's a beautiful definition because everyone you ever meet, if you had lived their life, that would be you. So when you're judging them, you're judging yourself. Not really. You're judging them. But had you lived their life, that would have been you. So you're really kind of judging yourself. Had you lived their life. If I walk out of my house on Shabbos with my Strymel on, and I come out and I'm like, Shabbos, Shabbos, Shabbos. And I find the guy with body piercings and tattoos, and he's got a mohawk and he's smoking a cigarette. He is right now on the other side of an equal sign. He is the sum total of detail after detail after detail. That had I gone through those detail after detail after detail, I'd be walking around with a cigarette in my hand. On Shabbos, full of tattoos and body piercings and a mohawk. And I am the sum total of an, on the other side of an equal sign of everything I've ever been through. And had he lived my life, he'd be walking out in a strimal on Shabbos. Hope he could accept me. Certainly accept him. I wouldn't have been any different. It would have been exactly that. And for those of you who don't understand, raise your hand if you don't understand. Does anyone not understand? I'm not going to call on you or pick on you like I just did somebody else. I won't do that. I'm just wondering if anyone doesn't understand. Okay, everyone gets it? We're all good with the definition? Okay. No, just once. Seems like you're taking free choice out of... No, totally. There's only free choice. The the one thing that... um, There's a seat over there. It's her living room, but I'm sure she'll clear it. The... um, the one thing that that the uh, w- there's the reason I asked if you all understand it is because people misunderstand it, thinking like, "What do you mean? If I were them, I wouldn't have been. It would have been me." Through those circumstances, you understand. A lot of people misunderstood the definition. That was not what we're saying. We're not saying if you were them. We're saying if you were them, this person, this brain, this experience this family order this house meaning you were them because they were them does that work in english they were them here's two seats here actually we got go back over here. we got three seats can you bring me a seat
acceptance and approval. The definition of acceptance is if you live someone's life, the person you might be judging, that if you live their life, that would be you. So every single person you'll ever meet for the rest of your life is just the sum total of everything they've ever been through, right? Aren't you the sum total of everything you've ever been through? Once you get this definition of acceptance, acceptance comes a lot easier. A lot of people miss this. A lot of people miss it. We're weird that way. Like, we just think people should be doing things differently. And it could be they should be doing things differently. could be that's true. But had you been them, you'd be doing it exactly the way you're complaining about. Yeah? Uh, Isn't everyone born with with certain gifts and talents and weaknesses? Had you been born with those gifts, weaknesses, and talents, that would have been you, who's walking across the street right now, and you're staring at that guy going, what a loser. So if I, meaning, if I wasn't, not if I had been born into their <laughs> circumstances, if I was them. Exactly. I was there like That's the wrong way people misunderstand this, because I'm saying if you were them, you're thinking about you still. No, no. <laughs> you were them, with every at last detail. You get that? Do you see how you can accept everybody with that definition? It's over. Like, you don't have to be a judgmental person anymore. Yeah, you think you're going to stop judging? Hopefully. But there are some other issues. One of those issues the rabbis talk about, and that is that, kol ha poisel b'mumoy poisel. Anyone who judges another person for their blemish is judging them about their own blemish. You'll notice that you're more judgmental about people who have, who their issue with them is actually your issue with you. And so there is some work you have to do on yourself. You gotta be pretty clean inside so you're not like noticing so much those things in others because your issues are what show up in others a lot. And so you have to really clean yourself out you got to get purified in your beauty, like who you are, how awesome you are. You have to get good at that in order that you can, you know, be clean with others. you got to be clean with yourself. Because otherwise you wind up noticing your issues in others. Another cool thing about judging people is that, that our sages say in the Mishnah that don't judge someone else until you're in their shoes. Could you ever be in someone's shoes? We just got through saying, like, you know, had you been in their shoes, that would have been you, so you're certainly not going to judge them. But uh, there's something funny about it, is that if you judge someone, you'll wind up in their shoes. It's a weird thing, but God has a way of, like, spinning the world around that you'll wind up in exactly that situation. So you got to be really careful when you judge people, (laughs) because you could easily wind up in their shoes. You wind up in that position. Do you feel the air conditioning, by the way? A little bit. A little bit? A little higher. What temperature is it on? 29. Well, that would explain Ooh. things. <laughs> Can you put it down to like like 18 or 17 or so? <laughs> okay. Um, let's define the word approval. The word approval means there's standards of behavior. Standards of behavior. Every one of you have standards. And you want to know something? Every one of you have high standards. 
you may think perhaps my standards are higher than your standards, but your standards are probably higher than 98% of the humanity. So I may be like a percentage more perhaps, maybe not, maybe yes. But your standards are crazy high because Jews have high standards. Even in the secular neighborhood I grew up in, in the wealthy West Los Angeles, when I would meet someone and they'd find out I lived on Barrington, the Barrington is the street that I lived on Barrington Avenue, they, they would say, they'd be so excited, they're like, I, I live on Barrington. Or I grew up on Barrington. And I would say, North Barrington or South Barrington? I mean, it, are you north of Sunset Boulevard or are you south of Sunset Boulevard? And if the answer was south, I don't know you. And you should know that south of Sunset Boulevard for the next several, for the next mile or something is like some of the most expensive housing on the planet. South. North of Sunset Boulevard is the most expensive housing in Los Angeles. But I didn't even want to know you because our standards were so high. But then, what Jews have even higher standards than the standards I grew up with in West L.A.? What, what Jews? Observant Jews. Jews who actually keep the Torah very high standards. And of the observant Jews, who? The Haredi Jews, the black hatitude Jews. And of the black Hattitude Jews, who has the highest standard? The Hasidic Jews. And of the Hasidic Jews, who has the highest standard? The more Hanyokish Hasidic Jews. And of the more Hanyokish Jews, who has the highest standard? So they believe it or not, there's actually a group of people that are more strict than Hasidic Jews. You know what they are? No, not the Berkeleys. <laughs> They're just OCD, I think. But I, the the highest standard of them all is Israeli Litvaks. You may not have ever met an Israeli Litvak. I'm not talking about like the, all those bachers wandering around. I'm talking about like the, the real like high echelon Israeli Litvaks. Oh my God, no. Those are your shalmies. They're the sweetest in the world. <laughs> no, we're talking about hardcore Israeli Litvaks. These people are radical, man. They make a chosid feel like a goy. <laughs> Like the, the, meaning, these are the people who like only listen to music on Holomoid. I'm serious. There's people like this, and there are whole communities of them. You know, they only listen to music on Holomoid, and it's almost like smiling is, is, uh, you know, for Shabbos. What do you think? It's Shabbos. Wipe that grin off your face. You know, they're pretty severe. Now. Um, Anyway, but you should know, by the way, I'm not complaining about them, because, because you know how you have Jews who are like, you want to learn a little? You can learn a little if you want. There's chairs. We have a chair, guys. So, um, I, whenever I hear of extreme people, I never get upset about them, because you need them. Otherwise, there's no middle. So we've got Jews who are like surgically reinstalling their foreskins. You know, meaning just ripping away any very last vestige of Judaism they've got going. And then you've got these people I just described in Israel. And so that makes a nice big middle for us to live in. So we, we all can be in there. And so you'll notice there's always going to be extremists, and you don't have to worry about them. They're just, 
letting you know where where things are at, where the edges are of anything and any subject. There's always going to be someone really extreme about them. And so you can choose your spot based on them. And so you never get too upset about that type of stuff. You get like these hardcore uh, anti-Arab, like, uh, you know, the big keeper with the giant paytas, the knitted keeper there. I think they're called Mitnachlim or something like that. You know, they live in the Judean hills of the Shomron. And you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, like these guys are radical. But you got other people, like on the left wing, who like can't give up Israel quick enough. They think peace is worth, they think peace is spelled with an I-E, like give a peace here and give a peace there and give a peace there. Because they're going to give us peace for all the land we give them. You know, you get people like that. So you have to have both. You understand. You have to have extremes. Extremes are good. Just not for you. Now, um, approval means standards. And we all have very, very high standards. Now, here's the issue. You notice I put them inside what's this diagram, which is called a Venn diagram. You see how they overlap? You know what the problem is? Who have you been accepting till now, till you came to this class, which is going to change your life forever? Who have you been accepting all these years? The answer is whoever you what? Whoever you approve of. Whoever meets your standards, whoever you approve of is who you've been accepting till you got to this class today. You just accept whoever meets your standards. And by the way, your standards are so random, it's ridiculous. They're about as random as my standards in Brentwood. I mean, if you have Torah standards, okay, those are at least, you know, like, that's at least a uh, fixed criteria. (laughs) But, I mean, you go way beyond that. You know, and and sometimes I'm not sure if you even care about that that much, meaning as a standard, meaning maybe for you it's an important standard, but you don't care what others do. But you got all kinds of other stuff going on where you only really accept people that you approve of. Now, I don't think there's a person in this room who'd be sitting in here right now if your true love, like for sure your true love, like the real deal that the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with, if I could somehow magically let you know where that person is. (laughs) If I could let you know where that person is. And I told you that that person was 15 minutes away from here right now. There wouldn't be a person sitting in this room, except for those who are already married. (laughs) Wouldn't be a person sitting in this room. Why? Why would you all run out of here? Because what's most important to you is connection. And obviously, intimate connection is your ultimate goal. Like, that's the ultimate connection. So you all want that. That's more important to you than anything you came here to learn about. Because you want that. That's what you want. It definitely trumps anything I'm talking about in this room. And so, when you only accept the people you approve of, you become disconnective. You're not easy to connect to. It's like your USB cable's messed up. Yeah, it just doesn't fit in anymore. Because you're, you're a dangerous person. You're dangerous. I want you to get right now that until you figure out what I'm talking about, you're dangerous. You're not safe for people. All of you. 
I mean, some of you look a little friendlier than others, but you're dangerous too. Because if I believe that you might only accept me if you approve of me, so I'm not going to be that open, not going to be that safe. It's not safe there. And I don't even know you people, so I don't know what your standards are. So, right, how are you ever going to know anyone's standards? You probably know your parents' standards. Maybe you know some of your siblings' standards. I mean, how do you actually know anyone's standards? So your standards are a mystery. And I don't know if I meet them, and therefore I'm not that safe here. Which means I'm not that happy here. Which means I'm not that comfortable here. Which means I'm not going to want to stay here much longer. I think I'm leaving. And you should know that the reason you come to my classes, those of you who do come specifically for my classes, the only reason you come to them is not because of something I'm going to say here. It has nothing to do with what I say. You're only here because you're safe. With me. Because I've, I know the difference between approval and acceptance. <laughs> Crazy high standards of approval. But I do not blur them. They're not blurred. I don't have these two definitions collapsing in on each other. I mean, really, think about my look itself. Like, Asian tourists should never hire a guy who looks like this. I mean, why would anyone come? Clearly, they're going to feel like Goyim in his presence. And that's how you realize that living, getting true acceptance in your heart, because every person you'll ever meet is just a victim of their own circumstances, of their life. They're the sum total of everything they've ever been through. When you get that in your heart, it actually radiates out without even having to communicate it. Like, I, haven't re- I don't really, I mean, when's the last time any of you heard me give a class on acceptance? Like, I'm not really communicating that out there verbally, yet the people are coming, and the reason they're coming is because they know they're safe. You're only here because you're safe. That's it. And the majority of people in the world never even heard of this stuff, and so they got their high standards, and then they hold your acceptance over your head like a gun. And there's a big mistake a lot of rabbis make. A lot of seminary people, a lot of minha hells. Those are people from hell. (laughs) Is they hold your acceptance over your head like a gun for for you to jump up to their standards. Which means that, tell me, is this acceptance that you're getting conditional or unconditional? It's conditional. It is totally conditional. Now, let's take this up a notch. Who do you love? Who do you love? Mother. Do you love anyone who what? Accept you. That's it. People you love are the people that accept you. No more, no less. Everyone that's on your list of people you love are the people who you believe accept you. Why does it take a, excuse me, why does it take a long time to, uh, you know, lose a parent to, to mourn? My mother's gone almost 10 years, and I'm still grieving. I never got over her. Did you grieve for her 10 years ago properly? No, because when she died, I was in Israel. My family... You missed the mourning process. Yeah, if you miss the mourning process, you mourn forever. Unless you go through the mourning process. You can go through the mourning process now. I mean, don't do it right this second. But, <laughs> but you can do it now. You can do it at any point. 
It's an incredible experience. You'll have to speak to me privately how to get that done. Okay? I'm saying if someone dies and you're not saying land, you're 7,000 miles away, it's hard to warn. Well, they usually fly the person in, but in your case, they didn't, it sounds like. No, no. My mother died. Did was, you fly in? My mother died. I was here. I was in my Did you fly into a I U.S.? I from Levaya. Oh, okay, you did. I sat Shiva, and a week after, my family came to Israel. Did you cry the whole Shiva? On and off. Okay, so. Anyway, that's the principle. Let's get back to acceptance and approval. Acceptance. Sorry. Ex- yeah, acceptance. Acceptance leads to what? Love. Love. Who do you love? Whoever accepts you. That's the facts. Who you love is whoever accepts you, period. Now, you know what's funny about that? Is you don't love that person. <laughs> you just feel safe with them, so you love them. So this is could, this class could get really deep really quick, but I'm not going to do that. But I'll just tell you where that fork would have gone had we gone really deep really quick. Is that we don't like ourselves very much. And because we don't like ourselves very much, we don't think others would either. <laughs> you know, we don't like ourselves that much. We're not sure others would either. And so, but meanwhile, you're stuck with people. I mean, how do you get away from them? They're everywhere. Like, it's a real bummer. You've got to always deal with people. People are everywhere. And now you don't like yourself so much, so why would anyone else? And, and so, therefore, you're not really safe anywhere because, you know, it, it starts at home. And if home ain't safe, meaning with you and yourself, so why would anything else be safe? And if you finally found someone safe who accepts you, you love that person, except you don't. <laughs> you just feel better in their presence. You don't even know who that person is, really. You've just painted a whole picture around how great they are because you're safer with them. That person's not a person. That person's a Band-Aid over a 50-stitch wound that is your way of looking at yourself, meaning, meaning you've you got a 50-stitch wound of how you look at yourself, and the people that you love are the people that somehow are the band-aid for that wound. Or another way of saying it for us is they overlook your wounds and accept you anyway. Probably because they're your mother or father or, or best friend with their own wounds. And so everyone's just playing into each other's needs. Reminds me once I had a class in here where it's just this size room and a guy in the back says he announces that he's engaged to a Gentile. Jews aren't allowed to marry Gentiles, but he said he was engaged to a Gentile, and and uh, and so I was like, "What did you say?" And he says, "He says he's engaged to a Gentile," and I said, "Do we have to kill her?" Uh. It was a joke, by the way. But the class looked a little shocked, and they and he said, "You'd have to kill me first. And I said, "So you love her?" He says, "More than my own life." And I said to the class, should he marry her? And of course, it wasn't all these FFB kids. It was back when we actually had, you know, <laughs> before, you know, before the whole wave of Bali Chuba putting on backpacks to come find truth. It was during that time. So half the kids were like, yes, you know, true love. Half the kids were like, yes, he should marry her. By the way, you know why those people don't come? It's not like people don't search anymore. It's, it's just that if you'd like to search something, you, you pull out your cell phone. You know, you just search right there. Like, you have to be insane to put on a backpack when you've got everywhere in the world in your pocket. Anyway, so, so he, um, so I asked him, what is it you love about her? And 
he gives me a whole list of reasons why he loves her. I can't remember him, but he nailed like nine things at a time. It was like nine things. Just boom, boom, boom. I was actually quite impressed how he was able to list them so quickly. You know, like uh, um, she, she, uh, she made him feel smart and she cooked for him and she, she, was, uh, she respected him and uh, she, he also felt strong in her presence and uh, and she also uh, she also loved him very much and anyway, it just went on and on and on nine, nine items and so I was you know I was pretty impressed he was able to nail all those and then I turned to the classroom and I said what do you guys say should he marry her and then at that point even more people were like yes and then I looked at the class and I said no And then I turned to the board and I wrote it. I had another color, so I wrote in a different color. Makes me feel smart, cooks for me, respects me, makes me feel strong and, oops, I wrote loved, and loves me. Who does he love? Who does he love? No, that's exactly what they said. He hates himself, and she's his band-aid, and he's going to marry a band-aid. And then I taught for the next 40 minutes or something, 50 minutes, a whole class, much like I'm teaching you now. It was funny, when the class ended, I was just trying to hide amongst the people to leave. You know, because I, I just kind of considered the guy uh, uh, Corbin like he was our sacrifice. He's already engaged to a Gentile. Like, let's at least save everybody else, you know. And he's a goner. And uh, so I was kind of hiding on my way out the door, hoping he would, because I really nailed him, you know. And, uh, and then, uh, but of course, as I got by the door, he was like, Rabbi, can we speak? I'm like, yeah. And uh, I made an appointment with him. And we sat for an hour, and he cried, and he cried. <laughs> And that was it. I don't even think I got his name. Maybe I got his first name. A year and a half later, he comes up to me at, at the Aish Partners Conference, a big Shabbaton we do in, in uh, wherever. I didn't know it was him. Just a guy comes up with a kippah and sitzes, and he's just so excited. He's been from for however long, a year, and he's coming to Israel to learn the Torah. And, uh, and, he, uh, and he did. He actually learned with me here for half a year. Some kind of profession. I forget what it was. But the last time he told his story, he actually WhatsApp me later. Or he, I don't know, he did something. He sent me a message saying, still going strong. You know, this is many years ago. And he's still, still pumping it out. Um, anyway, so turned out our sacrifice, you know, it was the right words at the right time, apparently. Okay. Back to acceptance and approval. Let's make a diuk. The people you love are the people who accept you, which means, you know, they're really bali chesed, you know, for your little chesed case that you are. And, and the people you love are the people that accept you. And let's make a deal. You ready? Everyone take a thumb. Who do you hate? What's the deal? Whoever or what doesn't accept you. Or you would suspect that person wouldn't accept you. Like that person walking by, or that person getting on the bus, or, or the person next to you in shul. Or... 
A person like that would never accept me. And so they're out. Now, what if you wind up having to get to know them because they work in the same place or they're in your school or they're in your dormitory or they live in your room? You know, what if that person's like, actually, you're stuck with them? You know what happens? Well, you can't just be like Hitler, like knocking off everybody you meet because they may not accept you. Well, maybe you can, I don't know. But, but most people can't. They can't live with themselves doing that. So you know what we do? If you're stuck with that person, as long as you know them, you will just create a longer and longer and longer list of what a jerk that person is. Because now you've got years to study them. And how do we know what I'm saying is true? The way we know what I'm saying is true is because all of us have had the experience where we found out later that that person actually really loves us. That person actually thinks we're fine. We just heard, anywhere at a Shabbos table and someone spoke and said, oh, so-and-so said she saw you in such and such a place. She's, she's really fond of you or whatever. And, and then, you know, I, I had it happen to me where I got a promotion at Asha Tara and I asked them, by the way, whose idea was that promotion? And they said, Jim's. And I'm like, Jim. And I didn't tell them, but I thought Jim hates me and I certainly hated Jim. And I was with Jim for five years, which means I had a long list. And I went over to Jim and I said, Jim, what's up? Jim's a genius, 1600 in his SATs, Harvard mathematician, cum laude graduate, Harvard. I'm a surfer from L.A., can't read or write. But extremely charismatic and friendly. I went up to Jim. I said, Jim, what gives? You know, why'd you do that? Don't you hate me? He's like, what do you mean I hate you? I mean, you don't say hi to me. When I come in the room, you look down. You never say good job. And Jim says, Yom Tov, when you walked into Asia Torah, you made more friends in six minutes than I made in six months. I feel like a nerd in your eyes. That's why I look down. Now, what do you think I did with that list of over 100 items of why Jim's a jerk? What do you think I did with that list? <sighs> Gone. And now I've known him for many more years. I mean, now I've known him for another uh, 22 years since then. And I got such a list about him. He's amazing. He's a genius. And so you realize that everyone you like are the people who somehow are enough into your chesed case to accept you. And the people you don't like are the people you suspect wouldn't accept you for who you are. And this is the problem again with Machanchim. Because Machanchim make this terrible mistake. Machanchim, for those who are fresh to Judaism, which is just about nobody in this room, but the uh, Machanchim are uh, educators. <laughs> They're horrible at holding acceptance over your head, like a gun. But there's someone that sometimes is even worse than a Machanich or a Minahel. There's someone even worse, believe it or not, and they're called parents. When your parents were pregnant with you, they went to sleep the night they found out that they're pregnant with you, and they and uh, the, they went up to heaven, and angels spoke to them. I think it's the same angel that taught you all the Torah. And the angel spoke to them, and said, we see you're going to have a child. And your parents were like, we're very excited. And the angel said to him, well, it's been determined in heaven that the only way your child will live a happy and healthy life is that your child has to have one address where she is accepted no 
matter what. And your parents are like, we agree. And then the angel said, well, we thought that address should be your address. And your parents were like, we agree with that too. And then the angel said, sign. And your parents signed. And then I think it's that same angel that taught you the Torah because I think it also touched them here. And they totally forgot. Just like you learn all the Torah in the womb and then the angel touched you and you forget it. Now you got to go learn it. Your parents agreed that the only way you'd ever come out healthy, the only way you'd come out happy, the only way you'd come out well is that you had to have one address where you're accepted no matter what. Unconditional love. There has to be one place like that. But the angel touched them, they forgot, and the next thing they knew, they had all the community standards that somehow you were supposed to cooperate with. Or else they looked bad. The reason why your address has to be the one address where your child is accepted no matter what is because when people accept you, you're safe. We covered that already, but let's get that again. You guys realize that? Remember I said why you, people like to come to my classes? Because you're safe here. Meaning when people are very accepting people, like the get, the acceptance definition, you're safe with them. There's no judgment there. You're just safe. In other words, you're, if your parents get it, if they get that, you're safe in your home. Well, I've got a question for you. Is there anything safer in your whole life? Have you ever found anything safer than the home you grew up in? I'm not discussing homes that are abusive or stuff like that. I'm talking about a regular home. Was there anything safer? Tell me, was 50 yards away from your home safer than inside the home? At one in the morning? At noon even. Was, was 200 yards safer? How about 20 miles away? Safer than your own home in the closed doors of your home? No, was, was 200 miles? How about 2,000 miles? You realize the further you go, the less safe it sounds. It really does. Because after a while, you just don't know where you are. So who knows what the rules are and who knows how safe you are. The further you go from your nuclear home, from that nucleus, the less safe it gets. But what does a person do whose actual foundations, what does the person do whose developmental years were spent in an unsafe home? And everything outside of there is just getting less safe. Run away? Well, it only gets less safe out there. What do you do when you live in an unsafe home? And everything out there is even less safe. What happens to such a person? Well, I'll tell you one thing that happens to that person for sure is that they live in a lot of fear, but more importantly is the lubrication of all the fabric of creation. Trust. You're burnt. You got burned. And if you can't trust, you're out of the game. Expect a difficult life because there's a massive amount of trust that's necessary for success in life. Now, I give several classes, like our classes, each on trust. We're not going to go into all that, but trust is the lubrication of the fabric of this creation. You need it so badly, you have no idea. You are desperate to trust people. 
Because for you to succeed at all in anything you do, whether it be your marriage, business, you name it, it's going to take trust. And you're also going to have to be able to trust yourself. And if people didn't trust you growing up for anything because they were so busy protecting you, so then you don't even trust yourself, which is just going to double the fear. Sorry this class is so heavy, by the way. <laughs> it was his idea. You blame him. I just want to mention, by the way, that I heal this stuff. I don't just talk about the problem. I, my life mission is to like heal people for this. This is what I do. We're not going to have time today how to heal it. but And obviously, it's a much longer and exacting and intense experience. I mean, you're, you're going to have to cry your eyes out to heal this stuff. You know, you're not going to be able to just heal it in a 50-minute class. You know, this is the real work. Like in the Possible Use seminars where we're getting into these grooves, these nooks and crannies of our selves. And, you know, but I, I feel bad there's so many English-speaking women here because I don't offer it in English in Israel. Um, but I do have, uh, I have three coming this summer in uh, four. Uh, men's English this week, first time in nine months. They're all in Hebrew. Um, and it's you can't join that one. Not only because you're a woman, but we already... Uh, too late. Shame. So, the uh, anyway, but in America, I'll be r- running one with four women and men. Meaning separate, obviously, but women's and men's. is going to be uh, Lakewood, Brooklyn, and Lakewood, Brooklyn, Muncie, and London. This summer, yeah, just just you just go to thepossibleyou.org, thepossibleyou.org. Uh, we haven't booked those dates, so put, just send an email to info at thepossibleyou.org, and you'll be put on a list based on your summertime. Summertime after Pesach. What? Info at thepossibleyou.org. The website is thepossibleyou.org. You can watch videos on the line on the website. Where were we? Trust is that trust gets stepped on, and now you're in trouble. Because think about it, if you can't trust people, you're in danger. <laughs> like, you're really in danger. Earlier, we were talking about emotional danger of our homes. But now, like, we're just in danger in general. Now tell me, people who are perpetrators, people who are out to, 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 people are out to mess you up, whether it be in business or, or emotionally or, or God forbid physically or God forbid sexually but people are out to mess you up do they smell a lack of trust do they smell that a mile away they smell it so like things get super dangerous once you've been once you're walking around a dangerous world because you never got safe to begin with you never had a place to rest where it was safe but when you build that safe home and this is for you guys growing up when you get married you make the safest home in the world. And then your kids are so safe. And they feel so safe that they're willing to even run 20 yards out of the house and run back. And they're like, it's safe. And you're like, that's right, it's safe. And I was keeping an eye on you. And then they run 200 yards and they come back. It's safe. And you're like, yeah, it was safe. And I watched you do it. It's amazing. You're getting somewhere. And then they get a little older and you let them go two miles away. You know, they're young teens. They get to go two miles away. And they, hey, it was safe. 
And the funniest thing is you want to protect your kids, make your home safe, because then they don't put out that smell to perpetrators. And we all know that, that what happens when someone's got that smell. You know, like, for example, in the U.S., sexual assault of women is a 1% chance in the U.S. If someone was sexually assaulted, their chance should go minus like 300 million, you know, like meaning, meaning it happened. So it's, she's no longer should have any percentage because it already took place. But it actually goes up to more than 40% chance of another sexual assault later because now the smell's on her. When you raise your children, you raise them in the safest home. What kind of safety? Acceptance. That they're accepted no matter what. You can have super high standards. And they know your standard. They've been watching you since they're yay tall. I mean, they've been watching you since the crib. They know the standards. Acceptance. Accepted for who they are. No matter what. I hold my little children when they're little and no one's watching I'll hold the little girl or the little boy and I say, I say, I love you so much. And they're like, I know. And I'm like, no, I love you so much. They're like, I know. I say, I love you if you'll be a, a good, I say, in, it's, if it's a boy, I say, I love you if you'll be a tzaddik. If it's a girl, I love you if you'll be a tzaddikis. And she's like, I know. I said, but if chas v'shalom, God forbid, you would be a Russia. You'd make a Nevada. You'd do the wrong things. I still love you. I will never stop loving you. And then I lay them down in their bed and I pull the blankets over them. And they go to sleep knowing that they've got one address that's safe no matter what. And you'd be shocked how independent these kids are. My kids. Even my ones that like are totally not the person how to be independent. You know, I had one recently. She's just not that type. She's like the total like protect protect type. And you know, recently I said to her, you know, you seem so courageous. You know, you're just doing all kinds of stuff in your life. And and she's like, Yeah, I just kind of realized like I don't need to spend my whole life worrying about stuff. You know, like just live. I'm gonna live. And she lives. It's really amazing. But my kids are extremely confident because their home was safe. And anyone who's out to get somebody, they'll just find somebody else to get. Because my kids aren't targets. My kids are, are uh, just safe. They're safe in their world. May we all be blessed to take the lessons of today and Let's all be the safest person anyone ever met. Let's distinguish acceptance, acceptance and approval. And just the, the very last thing, just so you should know why the, why the millennials, meaning the kids growing up in this generation, who might be in the universities you might wind up in, are so hardcore against anything that has to do with structure and values and standards, why they're so against all that stuff. You want to know why? It's because they understand the value of acceptance. They get that. They hold acceptance on the highest, but they've got them blurred. They go the opposite way. They, they say, not only do you have to accept everyone, you have to also what? Approve of everyone. It's coming from a beautiful place. But no such thing as standards. There's no right and wrong. 
And they've gotten it so crossed up now of those standards that even one's gender has come into question. They've lost their compass altogether of wrong or right. They've lost their moral compass. And that should make you scared. Because check out history. Every civilization that lost their moral compass, God pulls the plug on that civilization. I don't know how deep you want your roots in a society that doesn't know wrong from right. There's plenty of stories in the Torah and there's plenty of civilizations post-Torah that God pulled the plug on them. And so you can be just as accepting as the most millennial liberal you've ever met. I bet you I'm even way more accepting than any of those guys. But there's still standards. Still standards. And thank God we have Torah because those are the ultimate standards. And you should know, by the way, for some reason they, they're hypocritical. They champion the cause of the Muslims. It's just we're the enemy number one because we're the ones putting our standards on everybody. And so it's really weird, but you should know that these people who nine out of ten violent civil violence, you know, like against protests and stuff, where violence is in the news, nine out of ten is coming from the left. The peaceful ones are the ones who are violent. Notice ever since Trump even before Trump got in office, the violence was always coming from the left. There's a lot of violence in the left. Stalin was the left. 200 million people lost their lives with the left. It's dangerous stuff. And the enemy number one is the Jew who holds the standards up no matter what. And not just the secular, not the secular Jew, the observant Jew. And we all see it in the news. We're getting targeted more and more and more. Paris right now is horrible. Shalom, everybody. Lots of love. Love, love, love. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.